Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Good morning. Welcome. Center My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about how to get life right, which hopefully has been helpful for you. And you're trying to figure out things to avoid, trying to figure out to make sure your life can be the best possible it can be. Um, but today, what we're going to talk about is what if your life has not gone right? Like, what if maybe it's a decision you've made, maybe something that happened around you where, like, you got a little bit of a mess in life, right? Like, like things have not gone according to plan, and you maybe caused it, and you got life wrong. Like, what do you do in that situation? And before we talk about that, I want to let you know next week we have a brand new series starting. Our lead pastor, Brian, is going to be teaching a series called Heaven of What Nobody Told Us. And it's all about heaven and uh, really helping all of us have a, a proper view of heaven. Um, because for so many of us, we either, uh, most of us are really curious about heaven or we have honestly strange ideas about heaven, like naked babies playing harps on clouds, um, which is weird. I've never seen a baby playing a harp. Um, and like, so... I'd love for you to come back next week. And also, throughout the whole series, we're having fun things like ice cream or popsicles or popcorn. It's going to be a great time to invite somebody. Uh, we always say this, like, every weekend is a great time to invite somebody. And this next series is especially true for that um, because chances are you know somebody who's curious about heaven. And you know someone that likes popcorn or ice cream or popsicles or something. So uh, come out and hang out with us the next several weeks. It's going to be a great time. Uh, but as I mentioned today, uh, we're finishing the series talking about what to do when life doesn't go according to plan, when you get life wrong. Maybe it's a decision you made. Uh, it's a financial thing. It's a relationship. There's a, a secret habit you hope nobody finds out about or, or just a mess of life around you even, like things outside of your control that you didn't choose. It's Again, it's a relationship, it's a financial thing. It's, it's, there's so many dynamics to this where uh, for most of us, we'd say, man, my life is not right all the time. And I would love if I had to take time to like, convince you that this is a problem, but like all of us are kind of like, yeah, like I get that. Like things, like if I was right all the time, honestly, a lot of us, like I wouldn't be here at church if I had things all figured out, right? Uh, but, but here's the thing, for so many of us, if you've made decisions around finances or have regrets with relationships or whatever, it doesn't mean that you're more broken than the rest of us. It means you're normal. Like, like all of us, man, you have made decisions. We've done things that we've put ourselves on a wrong track in life, and it's just, it's normal. But so often when we decide and put ourselves on that path, when we decide to make a mess in things of our life, whether it's big or small, uh, generally it's not due to a lack of knowledge. It's, a, it's due to a lack of the right actions, right? Like there are some actions I got there, but like it's not that you didn't know, it's because it's something you didn't do. Right, like, like for so many of us, like very few of us went into high school and took a test and go, I had no idea I should study for this test. But like some of you did and you, you, I mean, your college career was longer than everybody else's or your high school, you know, like, like some of us were like, I just, I'm just going to wing it. Like that's not a great, like don't get that, that tattooed on you. Okay. It's not a good life motto. But, but even like for some of us, it's, it's not that you didn't know any better, it's that you didn't 
do better. Or, or maybe you ran out of gas in your car, right? I've never ran out of gas in my car. My wife has because I told her there was enough gas in the car that she didn't need to get more, right? And I was like, that's a great, like talk about Father's Day. It's a great parent moment to like have your three-year-old and your wife stranded somewhere and she's calling you and you're like, oh, I messed up. I really, it wasn't that I didn't know we were supposed to have fuel in the car. So we didn't do something. I didn't say, you know what? Yeah, I felt, and I was like, no, we're fine. Just risk it, you know? Like no risk it, no biscuit, let's do it. And it did not, it didn't work out. But, but here, here's the thing, for so many of us, again, it's not that you didn't know, it's that you didn't do something. And here's, here's the reality for us. The, the way that we got into our messes, and this, this gives us hope, um, because the way you got in the mess is you acted your way into the mess, right? You didn't just think your way there, like there was thought process and things like that, but you did things to get yourself in that situation. And the way that we can get out of our mess is the same way we got into the mess. Is you can, and this I think is so, it's empowering for us, you can act your way, like the way you got in the mess is the same way to get out. You can act. There are things that you can do and you can do differently to help you get out of that mess, to help you take a step in the, the way of a life in the right direction. So years from now, you can say, man, I don't have it perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but I have a life that I, I feel like is a right life. I want to tell you like, this morning, if you find yourself in the midst of a mess, which and just honestly, like, I talk to so many people after services and throughout the week. Like, I know there are so many of us right now who are like, man, things are not like I wish they would be. Again, it could be a situation you have control over. It could be a situation you have no control over at all. But you'd say, things are not how I wish they could be. I'm in the middle of a mess, and it's difficult. I don't know. What you know is, is there's hope for you still. And, and the message and the mission of Jesus was not to come and help people who had things all figured out. The, the message, the, the whole point of Jesus coming and meeting us where we are is to see us, embrace us, and care for us in the midst of our mess and to provide a better way for us. And, and he did this constantly in life. And if you look through uh, the accounts of his life and these, these stories we have of people watching, seeing Jesus, Jesus interact, you see this happening constantly. Jesus went and he would interact with people in his community that nobody else would want to talk to. Nobody else would want to deal with this. It's sick people that have diseases. Like people are like, they're, I mean, they're contagious. It's bad. Like you all live in your own colony. Deal with it over there. And all the healthy people are going to be over here. Right? Like, like people, it talks about he, he would go be with, with prostitutes and sit and eat with them and be around them and, and care for them. And everyone's like, Jesus, why are you doing that? Like, like Jesus would go around and be with the people who are not religious at all. He'd be with tax collectors, which we don't really have a common comparison to today's culture. But these were like the worst of the worst. Like, Nobody else wanted to be with these people. And Jesus was like, hey, I want to be with these people. And even in the midst of your mess, Jesus is like, I want to be with you. Now, in today's passage, what we're going to talk about, um, it's actually surprisingly natural. It's, like, it's not like there's so many passages in the scripture, like the supernatural, like the miracles, or like this person gets healed or that person comes back to life or we split these waters or we did the, like, all those things. So many of us... Uh, especially if we're like skeptical of faith or trying to figure things out, we're like, this seems completely ridiculous. Like, I didn't grow up with this, so it's just, it's just crazy to me. Like, I totally get it. And that's why we talk about those are supernatural things. Those are not in the, the norm of a natural world. Today's story doesn't have any of that stuff. Today's story is so incredibly normal that I think even if you're skeptical of faith, even if you're trying to figure things out, you're not sure about the scriptures or Jesus, you could see this happening in real life. And I think if you would... Give yourself the opportunity to listen and maybe learn something. I think you could even see this happen in your life. 
This is the way Luke writes about this interaction. Jesus had with someone who got life wrong, who was in the midst of a mess, and how he cared for them. This is what Luke said in, in his letter. He said that Jesus has entered Jericho, and he was passing through, and there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up on a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And then when Jesus reached that spot, he looked at him and said, now don't say it, church people. All you Sunday school kids, you're like, are we supposed to sing the song right now? Some of you didn't grow up in church, you're like, there's a song for this guy? Like, I don't, like, like so many of us, were, and this is what I'd say is, is we're so familiar, especially if you're like me, where you grew up in church, and you could tell all the stories, and you could color the picture or whatever. We get so familiar with the story that we lose the impact that it has. I'm like, oh yeah, so Zacchaeus, he went, he's a wee little man, and he went, like, all like, here's the thing, like, Zacchaeus was hated by everybody in Jericho. Like, like, for us to really understand what Jesus is about to say and the impact that has, we really have to understand what's happening around. And this is a really good uh, practice if you're studying the scriptures or you're looking at a document or like, is you want to understand what's happening, you got to read the context around it, right? So you got to read around. If you, you read around this passage, you see Jesus is going through Jericho and he's on his way to a city called Jerusalem. And he, like his whole life has been building to this moment. I uh, don't mean to spoil it for you. If you don't know, Jesus dies. Um, he comes back to life later. So like it all worked out for him. But still he goes through this incredibly difficult, painful situation. He didn't want to do it. And that's waiting for him in Jerusalem. And Jesus is on his way right now. He's going through Jericho. He's going to walk for a while longer to get to Jerusalem. Now, if I am going to do something I don't want to do, I either do two things. I either procrastinate and avoid it right? A bunch of you were like, yep, that's me. Or a bunch of you were like, yep, that's them, right? Or I could become laser focused on the task. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, they talk about like eating the frog first thing in the morning. Some of you get that, right? Like I'm going to do the hard thing right away, right? Like that's me. I can be incredibly task oriented to the point, and it's probably unhealthy. I will put on my daily to-do list, not every day, but lots of days, I will put the task of a interrupting conversation, because I know at some point throughout the day, someone's going to knock on my door and pop their head and go, hey, Justin, can I just interrupt you for a second? And I say, yes, you can. <laughs> Come right, have a seat. I got a few minutes for you. You're helping me check off this list. Anybody else with me on that? We are like, yes, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to actually put it in my task list right now to add interrupting conversation to my task list for tomorrow, right? I can be so incredibly task-oriented. And even in Jesus in this moment, He's going, knows what's ahead in Jerusalem. If I was him, I would have like no time for nobody. Like, especially someone like Zacchaeus. Especially someone that's despised by everybody else. And he's, he's despised because he's a tax collector. And like the chief tax collector. See, in that time, what would happen is Rome would come in and they were uh, occupying Israel. They were overseeing all this stuff. So like while, while the, the Jewish people had some freedom to exercise their religion and something, they also didn't have a lot of freedom. Like Rome was controlling so many things and they were the enemy, they were the oppressive enemy. Nobody liked them. And Rome went in and would say, hey, we need some people to collect taxes for us. Who wants to volunteer to collect taxes? And some of the Jewish people were like, I mean, we could collect taxes. And the reason they would want to collect taxes is you would collect what Rome required and then you could collect whatever else you wanted and you just got to keep that. So Rome says, you need to get two coins from everybody. You get two coins and you say, actually, we're going to do four coins. Rome gets two, I get two. 
right? So then Zacchaeus, it talks about how he's wealthy, he's a chief tax collector, so he was not a nice guy. Nobody liked him. Everybody is shocked when, when Jesus stops and looks up. They're either shocked that he's in the tree, because that's really weird, right? Especially in that time from like, like wealthy men don't run. They don't climb trees, right? How many of you grown men are climbing trees still? It'd be weird if you walked outside and saw me in a tree, right? So everybody's shocked, and then everyone is like, in that moment, they're like, Jesus is gonna, like, he's gonna roast this dude, like, if he knows anything about Zacchaeus, Jesus is going to get him right now. And Jesus flips everything upside down. And this is what he says when he talks to Zacchaeus. He reached the spot, he looks up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he, that Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And this is the moment where everyone's like, like the record scratch. Everyone's like, wait a second. You're going to go stay at his house? Like, because in that context, staying at someone's house and being with someone, this isn't just like a meal. This isn't just like dinner. Jericho and Jerusalem are about 20 miles apart. So Jesus needed to like recharge his batteries, have some dinner, spend the night, hang out, have breakfast, and go on his way. Like th- but, but in that context, sharing a meal and being with somebody, it, it showed acceptance, it showed connection, community, and it showed like I am with this person. So everyone in the crowd, everyone's looking around going, Jesus, you could have picked like everybody else in town and we would have been fine with it. Like you could have picked like them, them, they got a big house, they got a big house, and and you're picking Zacchaeus? Like this dude that that nobody likes, that nobody cares about, that everyone's angry because he's cheated all of us? And, And... and Jesus' followers are right there, and they're all like, I, like, I don't really know what to do right now. Because what Luke says is, is that everyone, the whole crowd, that all the people saw this began to mutter, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. Like, Jesus, if you really knew about Zacchaeus, and here's the thing, everyone knew about Zacchaeus, and everyone thought they knew what Jesus would do with Zacchaeus. And this is where Jesus steps back, and he's saying, like, I am for Everybody. Like, I didn't come, and you look at different times of Jesus, different things that he would say. It's like, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for people who needed help. The problem is everybody around him would be like, Zacchaeus is too far gone. He doesn't need help because nothing's going to help him. And this is what I think is, is so sad. Honestly, it breaks my heart in like a legitimate way is when we... We will get texts or emails or calls here to our offices and they'll ask, and it always changes a little bit, but the, the question they're asking is, hey, I am in this category. Am I really welcome at your church? Which to me is like, like of course you are. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you be welcome at a church? And, and sadly, it's because so many people in whatever that category is they're talking about say like, yeah, I've gone to other churches and I'm not welcome there. Or they say, I can come and I can sit and make them feel better because there's another butt in a seat and I can give money and they're good with that. But like, if I want to do anything, I don't think so. And this is why we are doing our very best to create a church that's safe and accessible to any kind of person imaginable. To people who are in the thick of a mess of life that they chose and they're trying to figure out and people who are walking through in, 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 incredibly difficult situations. We want to create a church, and you are all helping us do this, create a church that's for every kind of person imaginable. 
Because what Jesus is showing in this moment is he's saying, I am for Zacchaeus. I'm going to associate with him. Jesus isn't concerned about his reputation. He's concerned for Zacchaeus. I heard this, but I think it's so, so clear and so helpful to remember, even help for us to take this, is that everybody matters to God whether God matters to them or not. So that, that person, that group of people you're not sure about, you're thinking, like, I don't even know how they could follow Jesus. I don't even know if they ever could. I'm telling you, they matter to God. Because working here at the church, I interact with people, and it is so, it's sad, but also it's, it's like, and inspiring to talk to people. This guy I talked to several months ago, he said, we were looking at churches because I thought my family should go to church because I thought I was too far gone. And I didn't, I didn't deserve any of it. I don't need any of it. And then I saw your church. I thought, well, that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll go and check that one out. And comes and, and starts to interact with faith in a way he never had his whole life. And this is, again, for all of us, this is, I'd like to say I always think about people and people always matter to me but if I tell you the truth a lot of times I find myself in the crowd like Zacchaeus is where I'm muttering and mumbling about people and I'm kind of upset and so we gotta look and say what is Jesus celebrating and let's not criticize what Jesus celebrates and while they're having dinner there they're hanging out Jesus in Zacchaeus' house it's kind of scandalous like this is happening right now and Zacchaeus through whatever interaction we don't even know what's said we don't know if Jesus calls him out, if Jesus tells him stop being greedy, stop being selfish. We have no idea. Looking at how Jesus interacted with people, I doubt that's what he said. But Zacchaeus just stands up suddenly and he says here that he stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything. I love that line. If I've cheated anybody. It's like, dude, we know what you do for a living. Like this house is paid for by cheating people. Right? If I've done that, I'm gonna pay them back four times the amount. Now the thing with Zacchaeus is that he interacts with Jesus and Jesus does a work in his life, which I think that's like a whole separate thing of like, we need to stop trying to be the Holy Spirit for people and allow Jesus to interact with people. And we need to come alongside what Jesus is doing in someone's life and support them and hold them accountable and be there for them. But like my list on how you need to change probably isn't the same as the Holy Spirit's list on how you need to change. Right? And, and we need to allow people to interact with Jesus and then change as a result of that. And that's what happens with Zacchaeus. But he doesn't just say like, Jesus, I'm gonna think about what you said. Jesus, I'm gonna, I'm gonna journal about this, Jesus. This is really, Jesus, I'm gonna, I didn't have Twitter, but like, Jesus, I'm gonna go send something out to the neighborhood about all this stuff. He says, Jesus, I'm gonna do something. Like, Jesus, you are talking to me. You're telling me things. And what Jesus said so, so many times, especially someone's early interaction with him, is he didn't say believe, he said follow. And this is the reality for so many of us is we are infatuated with intellect and knowledge in Western culture and in turn the church culture. Like we can write theological papers on loving people and caring for people and not love our neighbors like not actually do any of it. And we feel good because we had an idea and an intellectual awakening, but we didn't go do anything about it. But here's reality. You cannot believe your way to the right life. You have to follow your way there. You cannot believe, because you think you have to believe things because your behavior is determined by your beliefs, right? But for so many of us, you didn't believe your way to a bad marriage. You acted your way there. Right? And, and the same is true. You don't believe your way to a good marriage. 
You act your way there. You follow. You followed your own desires or some other teaching that's not helpful. And now you can follow, what I would say, follow the teachings of Jesus. And that can lead to tremendous life change. So Zacchaeus is doing something about it. He's changing from the, the wrong course of life, the mess that he's made. Nobody likes him. He's robbed people, cheated people. Those are like some big broad brush categories, right? If you want to have a right life, like there's basic things like don't rob from people, don't cheat, don't kill people, right? Like some big easy things, low hanging fruit. And Zacchaeus is I'm switching now to go and I'm going to have the right way of life. I'm going to treat people well. And then Jesus says to him, in amazement of all the people around him, he says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now this is massively important to them. Because Abraham, as their patriarch, he was the father of faith and the father of the whole nation. And it isn't like a biological, like, oh, your ancestry goes back, because it did. This is an action of faith. See, Zacchaeus not only sold out his countrymen as a tax collector, but also a common belief in that time, and also it still is alive today, is that if you have more, it's because God loves you more. And even with the Jewish people, it's like God will bless us and will care for us. So if you have, if you're wealthy, because God loves you and blesses you, and Zacchaeus not only turned away from his people, but he also turned away from God and said, I'm gonna go over here in a lot of ways, and a lot of the thinking is I'm going to serve the Roman gods and get wealthy by collecting taxes. I'm kind of giving up on all this. I didn't just sell out my people. I sold my soul for stuff. And Jesus is saying, salvation is here and you're a son of Abraham. Like you are stepping from this serving other things to stepping over and saying, I'm going to serve God, the God of my people, the true God. In the immediate context, you hear the word salvation. Uh, for them, they would think of, of salvation being saved from the Romans. Oh, good, like, because they're always, if you read through the, the letter that Luke wrote about the account of Jesus, like, people are constantly like, so Jesus, like, when are you going to do your kingdom thing? Like, Jesus, when, like, like, the Romans, I mean, they're really, man, they're really getting after us. Jesus, you're going to, like, overthrow them pretty soon? Are you going to do, like, you, and Jesus constantly is like, you guys don't get it. And even, I think, so many of us still, we hear salvation, and we don't get it because we think salvation is just about what happens when we die. And you were even put in a situation, maybe if you grew up in church, it was kind of, kind of like this. It's like, do you want to go, when you die, do you want to go to a really, really bad place? It's really, really bad. It's really hot. There's fires. really, really bad. Or do you want to go to a really, really good place? And so many people, they say, I want to go to a good place, right? Like, who's going to say they want to go to the bad place, right? And we just think about salvation as a, an escape from a punishment later when we die. But the reality is that salvation isn't just about what happens when you die. It's about what happens while you're still alive, and what Jesus is teaching Zacchaeus, he's saying, you have salvation not from the enemies and the oppression outside of you, you are having salvation from the enemies and the oppression from within you. The greed that you've been striving after, the status you want, all the things you're trying to get, Zacchaeus, you're robbing people. Why are you robbing people? It's because you feel inadequate in some way. Like there's so much going on here where Jesus is saying, like salvation is here, you are free. You wanna give away the money, the very thing you were trying to hold on to, the very thing that you were spending your whole life to, trying to chase after, you get salvation. You get freedom now. And then Jesus kind of finishes up this whole, this whole passage, this whole interaction with Zacchaeus with really just pointing out the whole reason for him coming where he said, for the son of man, that's Jesus talking about himself, he came to seek and to save the lost. Not those who have it all together. Not those who've gotten right, life right. Like Jesus is not surprised by your mess. 
And for so many of us, again, we act like I have to get it together. I have to be put together. I got to figure it out. And Jesus says to all of us, doesn't matter how big or small your mess is, how much you've messed up your life and gotten things wrong. He says, a right life is possible. Just follow me. Follow me because you can't believe your way to the right life. You have to follow your way there. And Jesus' whole mission, him coming, him being here, was to meet people in their mess and to lead them out of it. Like that is why Jesus came. And Jesus is not surprised. He's not like, oh man, they're way worse than I thought. This is gonna take a lot more work. No, he comes, he says, I know right where you are. I see that. I'm gonna embrace you. I love you. I'm gonna do everything I can to win you back because I care for you and I'm for you. The best thing for you is to follow me. Now, I'd say, um, for me, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm really task-oriented. I, I want, like, application, something to do, because any step is better than no step, right? Any step you can take is better than no step. I have three, three steps for you, and I have to always be careful, because I'm like, I can be so, like, laser-focused and come across someone, like, angry and mean. Like, I'm not trying to be angry and mean, I promise, right? I want to be nice, like, hey, these are some steps you could take. They can really help your life. See, I'm smiling. It's great. No, but but I would say is taking a step, any step. If you take one step, great. If you take two, that's awesome. If you take all three, you could see something change in your life. Because again, you cannot believe your way. We're not even talking about belief. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, totally get that. You're welcome here. We created the space with you in mind. You can still take a step. And I think sometimes when we begin to follow Jesus and we begin to do things, that actually in a strange way, it starts to work our belief in Jesus. So, so here are the three steps that you can take. The first would be to, to define your mess. Again, if you take one, great. Any step is better than no, no step at all. You define your mess. You have to know where you are in order to get to where you need to go. Right? Some of you, this is painful. This is even traumatic. Again, this isn't a, a thing maybe you chose. It's just a situation you find yourself in. You have to define your mess. You have to be clear and talk about it. Even for most of us, when we started talking about this today, you already knew exactly what the mess is. It's some secret thing. It's a habit. It's a relationship. It's a decision. It's a regret. Define your mess. We all have them. You are not alone. The second thing would be decide to start or stop. You gotta decide to start or stop. There's so many things that we could start doing that will help us move out of our mess again. It's, it's, and again, don't make this like a huge, massive spiritual thing. Some of you, like, you just needed to go to bed earlier. <laughs> you're staying up late and you're exhausted and you're like, man, I'm exhausted, I'm grouchy, I mean, like, maybe go to bed, <laughs> right? It's not that you don't know, it's that you don't do. But also there, there's things you need to start doing, like I'm gonna be home with my family for dinner. Like some real clear, this is something I'm going to decide to start, but also for so many of us, you have to decide to stop too. There's something, some relationships, it's gonna be hard, you might have to cut off. This relationship's not, it's not helping me have the life that I want, the right life. I need to stop something, some, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a decision, maybe it's an ongoing decision, you can stop something. The last thing, and this is probably the most intimidating and sometimes the most difficult, but also the most life-giving is you have to determine who to tell. You need to talk to somebody about your mess. You need to bring it up with somebody because they can offer you help and accountability and support, which is so important. Uh, to, be, to be honest, the last probably 18 months um, has been like probably the most difficult my whole life. Like we, it's just, and things we didn't choose and things that just happen and like it's, I mean, it's, 
it's been incredibly difficult. And I went to my counselor a couple months ago, as you should do when your life is in a really hard spot. You should go to your counselor. And I just said, hey, man, I walked up and said, hey, Mike, I'm going to get my money's worth today. And I just go through all the things, this thing and that thing and that thing. I got this phone call, all these, all these things. And he goes, wow, that's a lot. It's like strangely like comforting. Like I am not that crazy. Like this is a lot, but also like kind of scary because like, wait, this is a lot? Like is this more than everybody else has? Like, I don't know. And as we're talking, he, he said two questions we talked through. And he said, first he said, do you have hope that these things can get better or different? And I said, to be honest, some of these things, yes. Some of them, no. And he said, do you, do you have anyone around you that you could talk to, you could get help with about these things? I was like, yeah, I got, like, my wife Rachel is there, and I got you, Mike, like, you can help, and I have some friends I can reach out to. He, okay, great. He said, have you, have you talked to your friends about how you need help? I said, no, why would I do that? I don't need help. I'm a big, strong man. I don't need help. I, can, I figure, I, I help other people. That's what I do. I don't, I don't need help, and he said, you should, you should tell them. So after counseling, I go out and get my car, and I text them. I say, some of my closest friends, I say, hey, guys, you guys know about a bunch of stuff already. I just need you to know that it is a lot and I'm exhausted and I just need you guys to be around me and to support me and just to help me. I don't even know what it looks like, I just need help. And they all replied back, you are such a sissy, I can't believe you. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. No, they, they text me back, because again, you gotta determine who to tell. It takes wisdom to, to tell the right people. A bunch of people I did not tell. Not because I don't like them, not because I think they would say anything, but just these are like my closest friends. They are the support system I have. You gotta determine who to tell. And every one of them replied about, hey man, we love you. We are here for you. That's right. You have a lot going on. All the things, like encouraging me, all of those things. But the funny thing is then when one of these other friends needs help, I get to be the one to go, dude, you need to ask for help. Because yeah. oh, I don't wanna be a burden. I don't wanna be a, here's your life. You are not a burden. You are valuable. The thing you're carrying is a burden, and I am here because you are so valuable. You are worthy. I will join you in carrying this thing. So you gotta, gotta determine who to tell. It could change your life. Again, taking a step is better than taking no step. So I don't care if you do one or you do all three. It's up to you. But I would tell you is, if you want to have the right life, you want to get your life on track, you want to make strides to get to the life you dream, it's not a belief thing, it's not a knowledge, it's an action thing. And to change your life, you have to act your way there. Jesus even talked about this, where he has this famous teaching where he goes through, hits on all these different topics on um, anger and relationships and worship, all these things, and he gets to the end of this, and and this is what he says, because again, like I always say, talk is cheap, talk is weak, like you mean something, do something. And this is what Jesus said to help people understand. He says, therefore, it's all the things I've taught you, everything I've said, everyone's like, wow, Jesus, you're such a good teacher. He says, yes, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. We've been talking about wisdom the last three weeks. It's a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the storms rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. And Jesus goes on to say the, the person who hears and does nothing is like a foolish person who builds their house on the sand. Had the same teacher, had the same teaching, the same storm, but their house fell apart because they didn't do anything. The interesting thing is as I was looking at this is um, like Jesus isn't the rock the house is being built on here. Because these people had the same teacher, 
that's Jesus. They have the same teaching. They have the same storm. The rock is application. The thing that's going to keep you firm through a storm in life is application. It's what you've done. Because you will resort back to what you've always done, the way you've always acted when things get stressful. Like, you know this is true. That's why when things are stressful and difficult, you are not the best version of yourself. You resort back to the things you've always done because that's the application you've had in life. What I would love to encourage you to do in a nice and kind way is start to apply things differently. I would love it if we could guarantee you a storm-free life, a life that doesn't have pain, but the reality is you will encounter messes, you will get off track, you will have storms in life. And I would love for you to be ready for that. So here in Florida, uh, we're really familiar with storms, right? It's, it's tragic. Every few years, there's a hurricane that just beats into the coast and destroys the whole city. And this is why, man, it's heartbreaking. People lose everything. And I love our church. We, we were to give $25,000 to Convoy of Hope last year to help them help restore um, the most recent hurricane, the damages. And that's so great. We get to be generous. And these people, that's a year-long, I mean, process for years to rebuild that area. And some of you remember 2018, we had Hurricane Michael hit the north side of the state under the panhandle. I had a friend that grew up there and they said, it was traumatic driving through your hometown and seeing things just leveled. And uh, there's beaches, just, I mean, condos, everything. It's horrific. It's so heartbreaking. And there was, there's this house right on the beach that seemingly miraculously was standing and it caught a lot of attention and, and national media coverage. And everyone's asking, and, and they're interviewing the owners of this home. And Russell and LeBron, and they, they asked them, they said, why did your house survive this storm? Like, what, what did you, like, you did something different than everybody else. Why did it survive this storm? And, and this is what they said. They said, we paid every attention to detail. And we would ask the question constantly, what would survive the big one? And we would consistently build it for that. And as they're going through the building process, um, they would want things like, we want more windows because right on the car, like we want us to have the windows. And the architect would say, you can have windows, but it's not gonna help your house be as strong and you won't withstand a hurricane. And they'd say, okay, we're not gonna have as many windows. That's fine. We want this balcony over here. We love it. It's gonna be so nice. You can have that, but it's not gonna be as strong. It won't withstand a hurricane like you want it to. And they say, okay, don't forget about it. Their friends would pick on them about their house. It's not a beautiful home, all these things. And they're like, we don't really care what you think. We wanna build a house that is hurricane proof. It costs them about 25% more than if they built it just to code because they went above and beyond everything else everyone else is doing. We wanna build and provide a house that will be safe through the worst storm. And I did, check out this picture. You see everything around them? I mean, there's some massive buildings in the background, but so many other people, tragically, and these guys, they even talk about, it's heartbreaking to roll into our neighborhood and to see all of our neighbor's houses gone. But, but here's the reality. They built their home to withstand a storm, and then when the storm came, they were ready for it. What I would love you to do is to have the wisdom right now to build your home, build your life in such a way that when a storm comes against you, your life doesn't just fall apart. Now, is their house damaged? I'm sure it's damaged. Can they move right in after the storm? No. But they have a house. And, it, and this is the thing, too. It, it costs them something. Right? Their friends picked on them, which, let me just say, don't allow your friends' opinions of you to determine the life that you build. 
cost them more, it cost them, I mean, they were doing all sorts of things, but they had one focus. You want to build a house that would stand the big one. I'm going to ask the uh, Centerpoint music team to come in, and we're going to close with a song. Uh, the song that we are closing the series with is called Build My Life. And it's all about how we build our life on Jesus and his love for us. And I would say our, our following Jesus is a response to his love for us. Paul talks about this. He says it's the kindness of God that will lead your life to change. It's the kindness of God that leads your life to change. Where you, uh, man, you can white knuckle try to figure it out, but really it's God coming and saying, I see you in your mess. I love you. I am for you. And we want to be a people that build our life around Jesus and following after him because I really believe Jesus' way is better than my way. That's what you I'm not, I'm not teaching you my sayings or my thoughts. I'm teaching you what Jesus said because his way is better. You followed your own ideas, desires, thoughts to the life that you have and maybe it's a mess, maybe it's fine. Maybe you're like, man, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Maybe you're like, there's some errors I gotta work on. What I'd say is, is following Jesus I really believe will make your life better and will make you better at life. Where you can be the parent you wanna be, you can be the spouse you would want to be, you can be a, a living representation of someone who gets to give their life away. Just like Zacchaeus said, I'm gonna give stuff away. In this song, it talks about how Jesus is worthy of our songs and our breath and our very lives. And he is worthy because he is the one who saw you and saw me in the midst of our mess. When we were thought we were too far gone, we thought we should be alone. We thought we should just be forgotten about. And Jesus said, I see you. I love you. You are valuable. And he offers us the same invitation to Zacchaeus. He says, would you just follow me? Would you follow me? Because the reality is you cannot believe your way to a right life. You have to follow your way there. I'm gonna invite you, if you're comfortable today, would you stand? I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And what I wanna say is as I pray and even as we go through this song, I wanna encourage you to take this as a time of reflection to think about your life. We're talking about defining the mess. Some of you know right now what the mess is. You're trying to figure that out. Some of you, even right now, you're like, I know to start or stop, or I have someone to tell. Like, like, here's what I'd say is take time to reflect on this and think about how you can follow Jesus. Even if you're not sure what you believe about Jesus yet, what I'd say is just, just give it a try. And even if you really want to be like super crazy and you're like, this thing's great, I would say through this song, a few minutes, I would even just jump to just texting somebody and just say, hey, can I talk to you about something? You don't have to tell them what it is. You don't have to give them all the details, but just to say, hey, I just need to talk to you about something. I got some stuff going on. Maybe it's your decision. Maybe it wasn't, but to be able to reach out and where you can get the help, where you can follow Jesus into the right life, the life that he has for you. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean it's pain-free, but it's a life where you can stand even when the storms come. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. I thank you that you care about us. God, that you have instructed us in life and it's not a heavy-handed way, but God, it's a way of love and kindness on how we can follow you. I ask that we could follow you today. God, that whether we are investigating faith or skeptical of things, God, or we are confident in our, our belief in you, God, that we would take a step to follow. And God, just like Zacchaeus, you would meet us there and you do something spectacular in our lives. We love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.